0: Hello and welcome to episode 194 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia is Ben Olson. Ben, it was nice seeing you uh, last Saturday.
1: Yeah, that was nice seeing you. Thanks for uh, taking my son to Lincoln Memorial and... Keeping him from getting lost in the big city: <laughs>
0: I had a great time with him. I am really sorry that I didn't get to corrupt him at all as promised. I mean that is the job of an uncle is to to sort of do subversive things with the uh, with the eight year- old or not eight year- old eighth grader kid. Yeah. But, uh, instead, we just had a very sweet conversation about books the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> I walked great. into like his thing opposite, and dropped right? off. <laughs> Now you're yeah. gonna motivate him to read more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll start giving him some some subversive
1: literature. How about that? Good. At some yeah. point. No. Yeah. Whatever you work. Whatever works. Communism. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> old, Unib- school. Really old school. Unabomber manifesto. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, you might be like, "Is this for real?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. It was. Uh, that was really uh fun so nice to spend some time with you yeah, kid you that was did a good fun
1: class too I, I really enjoyed so that was the personal statement workshop which we are making available online for people to check out if they missed it and i know that a lot of listeners probably did yeah i th- that was i thought that was really fun i had
0: never you know played the role of like pretend admissions person before yeah, So it was really interesting to read four personal statements or five personal statements side by side and uh, grade them and just think about you know the admissions case and how, how the personal statement would actually influence a person that had you know competing applicants and numbers on the applicants. I was also amazed that we both came up with the like almost exact same ratings. that was, yeah. that was wild. And then it was also interesting to see how different the class graded things.
1: Yes. And what they looked to, right? The likability and things like that. It's almost like voting for president or something. Can you have a beer with him? (laughs) Right. Which
0: I don't think is at all what the admissions folks are looking for. No, no. <laughs> So you could tell that some of the people in the class, though, were on board with us, like as when we were saying what we liked and what we didn't like, I definitely saw people in the back, like nodding, going like, oh, yeah, oh, my God. And then like the same personal statements that we hated, there were there were certainly people who reacted really strongly to those uh, as well with the same yeah. sort of negative uh, feedback. So anyway, yeah, we'll post that. Um, and uh, everybody should check out the video if
1: they're interested in uh, personal statement stuff. Yeah. So just to clarify, we'll post the uh, personal statements in the video so people can can follow along. I think that was kind of crucial too. By inviting everyone to make their own decisions first, they got to know the personal statements very well. I feel like when we've done these in the past, half the class doesn't even know (laughs) what exactly was said in the personal statement. So when you're commenting on it, there's a little disconnect. Like how does that criticism apply? But Everyone had to make a decision. Who would they accept and why? And anyways, that made it fun. So yeah. I would suggest the same to our listeners. When you're watching this workshop, make your own decision up front. We tell you to do that in the workshop, but take the time and, and read the personal statements and decide for yourself who who you would accept and why. Yeah, and then listen to our, our thoughts. Um, as people who have read
0: lots and lots of personal statements, um, you'll see maybe why our perspective is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Okay, so today on the show, we have a ton of stuff to get to. Uh, we have a couple emails from listeners that I think are interesting. We have, uh, we're going to return to game three from the June 2007 LSAT, where we invited uh, listeners to do the game on their own and send us questions. We got a couple questions, and we'll finish up that game. We have also a personal statement uh, from Kendall, uh, begged us to destroy her personal
1: statement us. Okay. Yep.
0: I think she even used that like prayer emoji, you know, the oh, one with the two yeah. hands. So yeah, she's that's... like really, really hoping that we will destroy her personal statement. So <laughs> okay. your wish is our command. Um, what is this note here about Manhattan? Do
1: you know what this is? Oh yeah. So we need to talk about Manhattan LSATs uh, timed drilling in class. Okay. So. Uh, I don't know where we want to squeeze that in. Maybe we could do that second. I'm sorry. I didn't see that was not part of the list. I should have put that up there. But um, let's put that in there second maybe. Okay. Sure. Um, The show is going to air on
0: May 27th of 2019. Uh, Upcoming events include the June 3rd LSAT. That's going to be one week away by the time this show airs. So, uh, good luck in advance to, I guess this is the last show that will air, um, prior to the June 3rd LSAT, cause we're going to have a show airing on Monday, June 3rd, mm-hmm. um, which will be the next one. Anyway, good luck, everybody. Uh, June 4th is the last day to register for the July LSAT. Um, and that LSAT is coming up on July 15th. You can email the show anytime, help at thinkinglsat.com. Send us a selfie when you do so we can plaster your face all over our social media. Uh, don't forget that you can listen to the show a million different ways, uh, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, and our website, thinkinglsat.com. Please uh, review us everywhere, like us everywhere. Uh, you know, We rely on the audience to get the word out. We don't pay to advertise. Um, so you got to like us and review us and tell your friends and stuff. We really appreciate that. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, okay. Oh, I, I put this in here. I just wanted to hit this really quickly. Sure. On thinking Somebody left a comment that said throughout my undergrad years, I started taking non-transferable community college courses through my local community college for purely recreational purposes. My undergrad didn't offer much in the way of law related or criminal justice related courses so it wasn't hard to take two or three per semester through the community college. Now that I'm looking at applying to law schools, I've just found out that these courses will count toward my LSAC GPA. This is good, it seems, because they bring up my 3.7 undergraduate GPA to about a 3.9. However, I'm also worried it may look like an attempt to game the LSAC GPA system. Should I write an addendum explaining Uh, Sorry, should I write an addendum explaining that, or will it not be a significant issue? My LSAT is a 176, so I'm hoping to apply to schools that I assume will look pretty carefully at my full transcript. Thanks so much, Will. So I already responded online, but I just thought it was kind of an interesting twist on the uh, should I write an addendum question. I also thought that it gave a pretty nice little insight into the minds of these crazy future lawyers. (laughs) Yeah, so how did you respond? I said definitely no addendum necessary. Um, This, to me, if they looked at it closely, it's going to look like, oh, you were interested in law-related and criminal justice-related shit, so you went and took these other courses at the community college, and you kicked ass in them.
1: I mean, (laughs) how's that a bad thing? I think that if you actually write them and say... Hey look, I wasn't trying to game the system. They're going to think, "Oh, you were trying to game the system." <laughs> I don't think it's going to cross their minds. I feel like it would be annoying and just kind of a
0: waste of their time to write an yeah. addendum. You have an awesome LSAT score, you have an awesome LSAC GPA. I don't know that they're going to actually look at your transcript that closely to be honest. I mean, do you think that like Harvard and Stanford are like really looking into like
1: exactly what classes you took and everything. I I don't. I think they're scrapping for some reason to pick you over another candidate and they're really hemming and hawing over you. But in in most cases, no, they're just going to look at your LSAT. They're going to look at your GPA. They're going to look at your major. They're going to look at your school. Those are easy things to look at quickly and kind of gut check whether you feel like that GPA is... Overrepresenting you, underrepresenting you, right? Um, if you went to a hard school and you studied, studied chemical engineering, then they're going to not care as much about your slightly lower GPA than someone who took a soft major at a lower-ranked school. So, yeah, those things are they're going to look at. Are they going to dissect your transcript? I just, it's for to what end? It, yeah. The important information has been gathered. Yep by looking at your school and your major. And
0: they have 10,000 applicants. I mean, they're going to put this candidate into the presumptive admit pile everywhere. Yeah. They're going to read your personal statement to make sure you're not crazy. Look at your letters of recommendation to make sure you're not crazy. Like, I don't... (laughs) I think Will here is way overthinking it, which is what lawyers do. And one last thing I wanted to say about what lawyers do. I find it ironic that Will is worried that it may look like an attempt to game the system. What do you think lawyers do? (laughs) (laughs) Lawyers game systems for a living. That's what they do. Yeah. So if you have gamed the admission system successfully, they're going to be like, Oh, good. (laughs) Look, a lawyer. This is a guy who, who knows how to like, Win knows how to work the system to his favor. That's what your lawyer is supposed to be doing for you. Helping you to navigate these systems, helping you to win.
1: Mm-hmm. So <laughs> um No, you we'd hope the law schools would think that way. At the same time, we know that they're sometimes irrational humans, just like the rest of us. And they may be too caught up in the fact that they're the ones being gamed, but I don't think they're ever going to think that. I think it's too much in the weeds for them to come to that conclusion.
0: (laughs) It's like we got that one comment at our personal statement workshop where someone asked about, well, if I write too many, you know, I did this and I did that, I'm worried that I'm going to come off as arrogant or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you're supposed to be advocating for yourself. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> you're supposed to be selling yourself. You're supposed to be making yourself look irresistible and like a standout candidate. You're supposed yeah. to be talking about your accomplishments and making yourself look good. Yeah. And so I I just don't. You want to make yourself look like a winner, mm-hmm. and I. Will here looks like a winner. And if, if someone saw, Oh wow, look, he, boy, those uh, community college grades like really helped bump up his GPA. Who fucking cares? Like your LSAC GPA is what matters. The LSAC GPA is what goes on their 509 report. And it's what like the world sees. Mm-hmm. So this is like, basically you, you did exactly what you should have done. Will. It's like he accidentally gamed the system, but good. (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah. All right. Um, Moving on. Hey, one random comment just about uh, confidence and selling yourself in personal statements. Some of this depends on your personality. Some people are overly confident and that those kind of people we'd call arrogant. Those people need to tone it down and... People who tend to be overly self-deprecating and not say what they've done and acknowledge their strengths need to ratchet it up. And that's not easy because a lot of times what is, quote, normal depends entirely on you. You think that being self-deprecating is normal and that other people will interpret that as underselling and therefore you really must be better at what you do whereas arrogant people don't realize sometimes how stupid it sounds when they oversell their abilities and we all roll our eyes cuz that to them is normal that's them right i don't know i'm not really offering a solution here but it it can definitely help to get feedback ideally from people who know what to write in a personal statement but also just from Ideally, coworkers or people who are somewhat distant from you, Uh, you have to find people in your life who are willing to give you honest feedback and say, hey, do you feel like I'm presenting myself in a way that is factual? Yeah. When you like the
0: friend who, when you say, does this shirt make me look like a douche? And the guy goes, yep, sure does. Yeah. Go change it. (laughs) Like that's the person that you want to read your personal statement for
1: you. That's exactly right. Which is rare, right? These days. Um, Yeah. It is rare. And, yeah. and it's, it's also interesting because you don't, I tend to, I tend to prefer <laughs> and more so as I get older, the honesty route. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you need to be a jerk. If you find yourself starting to say, well, it's honest, you're kind of basically covering for the fact that you're being a jerk. You, you can, you can do it in a nice way. You say, Hey, you know, that's not the shirt I would wear, but at the end of the day, it's fine. <laughs> Well, if someone honestly asked you that though,
0: like if yeah. someone said, does this make me look like a douche and you look at them and you go, yeah, it's, there's nothing wrong with saying, well,
1: yeah, kind of, yeah, yeah, I don't love it. <laughs> exactly. Right. Which is like honest, but you're not also being a dick back to them. Like, yeah, that's, that shirt makes you look like a douche and you always look like a douche. <laughs> <You> know, <some laughs> people just, they kind of just go over the top. It's like, why did you say that? That was unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> um can I
0: say one more thing about the personal statements just Yeah. <laughs> this is advice that everyone I think needs to hear and just and and take on board and we've said it a bazillion times and we'll continue saying it a bazillion times. We're not saying that you need to brag about yourself with a bunch of conclusions. We're not saying That's that you need to yeah. say how unique your experiences, how passionate you are, how diligent, you know, you do not need to be describing your own awesome characteristics. You need to be saying shit that you have done. If you Mm -hmm. just say shit that you have done, you know, I built an orphanage on the top of Mount Everest. Fuck Jesus Christ. Like,
1: okay. If that's all factual and you steer clear from adverbs and, adjectives that try to oversell. Like I built the orphanage at the very top or I built the, <laughs> the best very orphan. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why, why did you say that? Like, I, have you characteris- I have the unique
0: characteristic. I have the unique characteristic of having built. No, just, yeah, I built an orphanage at the top of Mount Everest. Boom. That's your one sentence personal statement. Drop the mic. You don't need to put anything else, <laughs> you know? And I'm not saying you need to have those kinds of achievements that's hyperbolic. Obviously I'm not saying that's what you need to, that you need to have those kinds of achievements, but you just need to say the things that you've done. And so one exercise that we always get people to do in our personal statement service is just to like write a whole bunch of sentences that start with the word I, and then a verb that ends in ed mostly, Mm -hmm. you know, um, or the equivalent. So I created, I, I wrote, I interviewed, I organized whatever. Just say the things that you did. Yeah. And and then you're going to be teaching people factually about what you've actually done. And then it doesn't sound like bragging. It sounds like you're following the assignment, which was to tell
1: me about yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. But then, but I, yeah, I don't know. Go ahead. I want to add a couple more things about verbs What you're talking about here. So a lot of people don't understand what we're saying when we talk about write I sentences with verbs and we're saying, hey, tell us what you did. So I, like you said, interviewed the head minister of security at my firm, period. <laughs> okay, that's what you did. We we understand what you did. Um, but a lot of people do get that and they they start writing their personal statements with these I sentences. And I think actually that's what happened with uh, the that one personal statement that we like so much at the um, personal statement workshop the the person who wrote that who was in attendance, uh, she listens to the show. So I think she must've taken a lot of what we've said and, and put that into her personal statement. I mean, maybe that's just, maybe she just did it naturally, but I think we liked it so much because it had all these I sentences. Uh, but I'm thinking about this right now and I'm thinking about I sentences that I don't like, but still follow this structure. Yeah, And it's, It's, again, this kind of this overselling or there's not someone doesn't feel great about the thing that they actually did. And they don't realize the power in just some even mundane work like, okay, you created an an Excel spreadsheet that organized the competing, you know, company priorities or something like that. Like to the person who's writing the personal statement, what they did may seem mundane or simple, but if it's work and it solved a problem and it was innovative to some degree, or at least something that you're responsible for, that is often good enough. But in any case, because they feel that this thing is inadequate or mundane, they try to make it more than it is. And as soon as you do that, it just totally sucks the air out of the sentence so for example you know i facilitated the um weekly you know communication between heads of agencies it's Mm -hmm. like wait what actually happened that's so vague yeah it's so vague and it is an i sentence i facilitate but what do you mean by that and like well and then you you dig into it and it's like, you scheduled this call, the call times. It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, come on, man. Yeah, we knew there totally. was nothing there because the sentence itself sounded fake, right? Totally. And so as soon, you got to think about things you've done in your life that do have substance and focus on those and ignore all the other non-substantive things you've been doing in your life, like scheduling phone calls. It's okay. Yeah. We've all done them. But uh, <laughs> don't try to make something out of nothing.
0: Yeah, I also don't want to hear, I felt. Mm, mm -hmm. I I don't like, um, I I am. Well, not, yeah, for sure not I am. Like, no no forms of the verb to be at Mm -hmm. all, Um, if you can avoid them. I don't like, I felt, because that's so subjective, and that's just you telling me Mm -hmm. how you felt. Like, that's not a thing you did, right? I don't like, I helped very much because helped is so vague. What did you do? Yeah. You know, what did say you say what you did. Do? The attorney, attorney won I- the
1: case and you tagged along and carried the briefcase. It's like, yeah,
0: don't. Yeah. So I helped is just inherently vague. I don't like, I learned mm-hmm. because again, that's you telling me that you learned instead of oh. like you actually doing a thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't like, I worked, worked with, because that's like helped. It's just so vague. So I I do want, I want, you know, active verbs that just tell me what you did. Things like I wrote Mm -hmm. or I created, Mm -hmm. or I started, you know, a project or whatever, or I organized a new committee to whatever like that those types of things are just so much better than those, those vague versions. Um, and especially just get the feelings out of there. (laughs) I don't want, I don't care about your feelings and I don't care about your politics. Like that's not, it's just, I'm not learning anything about, you know, your, your like skills. Yeah. Okay. Should we move on? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thanks Will for putting that, uh, comment on thinking We do see those comments. If you guys, uh, want to put, uh, comments on our posts. Next uh, email, you want to read this one?
1: Yeah. Hey, guys. Long-time listener, two-time pearls and turds submitter here. Hmm. Okay. So you've submitted two pearls and turds. I'm, su- I'm guessing they might have both turned out to be turds. I hope not, but that's <laughs> the trend with those uh, submissions. I don't have a question this time, but on episode 192... Y'all mentioned wanting to see practice test data of one student over a long period of time. So I thought you may enjoy taking a look at mine. This is my data for timed practice tests over the past five months of studying. With the charts being overall score and score breakdown, oh, broken down by section, as you can see, it's just as spiky as y'all predicted. Thanks for the show. It is one big reason that my score has improved so much. I'm going to take a second here, and I'm just going to read uh, the scores from left to right, and then I I want to talk a little bit about how the change in section score can explain some of these spikes and some of these drops. Okay, so this person's first score was a one... Actually, gosh, I can't even see this. I can read them from top to bottom on the... Oh, okay, on the sheet. Yeah, go for it. 164...
0: 166, 167, 165, 163, 165, 169, 165, 163, 162, 167. At that point, I think you'd be feeling pretty discouraged, you know, it like, hasn't really gone up yeah. and it's just kind of bouncing back and forth all over the place. And then the very next one, 172, 166, 167, 167, 165 official, 165, 170, 173. And yeah. that's uh, over the course of uh, a little less than five months. First one was on December 20th of last year, and the last one was on May 1st of this year. If you just look at the first test and the last test, it's a nine point improvement. Mm -hmm. Um, it would be a lot more useful to be looking at a a moving average. I mean, I would suggest to, you know, thanks, Chris, for sending this in. I would suggest that you add to this a a column for moving average. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I would be, It's I just, you'll smooth out that curve if you just
1: have a five test moving average column. So in Excel, the five test moving average formula would be to look at the, the five last tests and average that score and then continue to do that for each new test that you add. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's like super easy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's funny that like lawyer, uh, the lawyers that I know that are like kick-ass lawyers, they would totally know how to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think a lot of my lost my LSAT students would be like, Oh God, Oh no. Like, I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Excel stuff. Oh Jesus. <laughs> it's like, well, you might realize that lawyers do kind of know how to do things. (laughs) You can figure that shit out. Yeah. Um, But anyway, yeah. I mean, there's also like a built in formula for moving average or there's, you could add into the chart. I'm sure you could just add in like moving average into the chart, but you could write that formula pretty easily.
1: Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And that would smooth out your swings and you could kind of see if you have an upward or downward trend at different points. Yeah. One thing about the, uh, scores. So Chris has also included the raw score for each section. And what I thought this graph mm, kind of illustrates is that when Chris did well, not surprisingly, he did well in all of the sections. And when he did poorly, he tends to do poorly in all really poorly. He did poorly in all of the sections. Obviously there's a lot of uh, up and down here too, within these sections. But the point here is that if you lose one or two points, three points in a section from what you quote normally do, and you do that in all four sections, well, all of a sudden you're losing 12, 15 points. That's going to dramatically affect your overall LSAT score. Even though you haven't seen much of a change within each section. Uh, which is one reason I don't think that the overall score is that great of a measure to figure out where you're at and why LSAC itself says that if you get a 162, you're really considered anywhere from a 159 to a 165. So the point here is that I think it's a lot more useful if you are going to focus on numbers to focus on your section scores there too. You have to realize that you're going to have swings, but I guess I'd be much more interested in those numbers and seeing how they're going down over time than the overall score, which could be going up and down because of multiple sections coming together and not being good, right? Yeah.
0: Um, Even if you're just looking at, at, at your games or your LR or your RC, whatever, those scores can bounce up and down because you got lucky on guesses or you got unlucky on guesses, or you got lucky on 50 50s or you got unlucky on 50 50s.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I do think it's a good idea to every score that you get, you know, I got a 164. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. You got a 161 to a 167. Mm-hmm. And then just sort of accept that there's a range of outcomes, and on any one outcome, you know, that's just you're somewhere in some range. Yeah, and and you don't really know even where that range is at until you start looking at longer run, you know, five or ten practice tests to yeah. get a sense of where you're really at. The other thing I would be focusing on is accuracy on questions attempted. Mm-hmm. Accuracy on questions attempted tells you whether you're actually understanding the shit or not. Mm-hmm. If you continue missing questions that you attempted, you're just not understanding. You're not doing it right. So you got to slow down and you got to focus on getting them right. If yep. you do that, you're going to be setting yourself up for success in the long run. And so, you know, that's a thing that maybe Chris could have put into this spreadsheet is like, Hey, what was my accuracy percentage on the questions that I did?
1: Yeah. And <laughs> if you don't want to do all that, just go put your test. results.: yeah, Use the, score, the tracker. score tracker. <laughs> yeah. The other which thing will, is, yeah. which will do it automatically. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, how do people find that Ben? Uh just go to strategyprep.com and actually strategyprep.com forward slash free is probably the best way to do it. Eventually that will become part of the demon. Uh okay. but first things first, yeah. Okay.
0: The the other thing I would tell people, and this is much more subjective, but it's just do you feel like you're understanding it more? When I do when you hear me do an explanation in class or on the demon. When you read an explanation on the demon, when you see Ben do a, a games video or, or when you hear Ben talking about a logical reasoning question, do you feel like you're understanding it? Be honest. Are you just, <laughs> mm-hmm. are you? is your head totally spinning and you just don't really understand? Or do you feel like you're understanding it more? You should feel, you know, week after week, you should just sort of feel like you're understanding it more. Mm -hmm. you should be sort of predicting what we're going to say next and just kind of having like a plan. Oh, for this type of question, here's what we would be thinking. And for this argument, here's what we would be thinking about that argument. Mm -hmm. And here's, here's the kinds of objections we would be making. And then, Oh yeah. Okay. So this answer here is similar. It's related to that objection. And even if you didn't get it right, if you can understand our explanation and it just, you kind of feel that click then that is learning. I, I I believe that you are making progress, mm-hmm. and even if your scores don't reflect it this week or this month, you are understanding it. And if you're understanding it more, then your skills are getting better. And eventually, I just I I, I know from experience, eventually that will be reflected in your scores. Yeah. It's just that the short run is a lot longer than people think it is. Yeah. You know, people, people think like, oh, well, I've been studying for a month and I haven't made any progress. Like, yeah, well, that's still just such a short run. Mm -hmm. You know, four or five practice tests is still a really short run. Talk to me in 10 tests or 15 tests. Talk to me in two months or three months. And I want you to get there quicker, and some people do get there quicker, but some people take a little bit longer and so what? I just if you keep doing the work and you keep focusing on understanding, you will improve um, Last thing I want to say about this, and we had a previous emailer who sent us a you know a chart that looked a lot like this everybody's chart looks a lot like this. If you pick, like, if you just cover it up from the right side, if you just like cover up half of the chart,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it, you can pick one data point that makes it look like shit. And then you can pick another data point that makes it look awesome
1: mm-hmm. by just
0: sh- sliding over your hand, like, by a fraction of an inch. Yeah. It goes from awesome to shit to awesome again. Yeah. And it, it's like, well, that's, that's the exact
1: point is that
0: there's just so much randomness in this data.
1: That's why you got to take the test officially multiple times and or at least plan on it. And if you happen to hit that awesome day first, great, you're done. You don't need to extend your chart anymore, but (laughs) um, chances are you won't. Yeah, I mean, I almost
0: want to like bring a bunch of quarters into class and just make people flip them and be like, "Okay, look, everybody ready to take your official LSAT? Mm -hmm. Okay. You're going to flip, flip everybody flip. Okay. Everybody who got heads, you had a good day for you. Yeah. Everybody who got tails, you had a bad day for you. Yeah. All right. Everybody who got heads, you guys are done. Stop flipping. Everybody who got tails flip again. Yeah. (laughs) And then, okay. Those of you who got a heads, good. You had a good day for you on your second attempt. You're done. Hey, everybody who got tails, you had a bad day for you on your second attempt. Flip again. (laughs) <laughs> and then, <laughs> you know, if you keep flip like, but somebody will flip tails four times in a row. Yeah. And that doesn't mean you're an idiot. It doesn't mean you're like bad at this. It doesn't mean you should give up. Mm-hmm. It just means that you caught the downside of variance. Yeah. And some people understand this because they like took economics and statistics and stuff in college. Some people just like, I don't know. They just can't accept that but I believe that to be true.
1: <laughs> I believe. <laughs> I believe. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, yeah, so we'll post these uh, charts, and then people can check it out. Hmm? Great. Let's talk about Manhattan. Yeah, let's do this. So the other day I was talking with a tutoring student, and he said at some point in the session, uh, I feel rushed when I've been spending too long on a question. And I said to him, I said, wait, when you've been spending too long on a question and I'm trying, I'm trying to understand this as best I can, because what I was saying to him is that when I do a question, I'm so focused on the question, it's very hard to me to have any sense of how much time has passed, right? Like when you really get into something, you get into that flow state, five minutes can feel like 30 seconds because you're into what you're doing. Uh, And so I said, on some level, I, I, I get what you're saying. If if I've reread the first sentence a few times and I'm really spending time to think about the passage, I could get the sense that I'm spending more time on this passage than I have on, say, another one that clicked right away, which is a little shorter, easier to understand, but I still don't have any clue. Like if, if I did the question and someone then pinged me and said, hey, how long did that take you? I'd be like, a, I two two minutes? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm just guessing. And they say, you know, oh, no, it took you three, three and a half minutes. Or no, it took you 45 seconds. In fact, the biggest surprises that I've had is when I've done a question, and for whatever reason, maybe because I'm proctoring the test, I happen to notice how much time has passed, and it's only been 25 seconds. And that's just nowhere <laughs> in my sense of how long these things quote, should take. But my point here is that I do not have any good sense of how long a question takes me. And we were talking about LR questions at the time, and I said, "Why do you, like how do you know that or or think that it's been too long?" And he said to me, "Well, When I took my Manhattan LSAT class, we would do logical reasoning questions in class, and they would have a timer going for a minute and 45 seconds. And when the timer hit a minute 45, the teacher would let us know that we had started reaching (laughs) the time limit for that question. Oh, fuck off. And I was like, oh my gosh. This is not just... You know, there's a lot of bad advice out there. And this bad advice just ends up doing nothing, right? It doesn't help the student improve their score, but it's just kind of neutral. It's just bad and it just floats around there. This advice and this practice to me is so shocking because we are like dogs in the sense, you know, Pablo's dog. We are going to learn this, whether it's conscious or not. Most likely it's not conscious he is getting this ping in his head after a minute 45 or as he gets close to it, right? There's some part of his brain that's like, oh, got to track this time. Because you can get very good at this. I don't know. Have you ever like experimented with this with other things? Like if you take a nap and then it's like you wake up like five seconds before your alarm goes off? Like I think people can have this internal clock. And unfortunately, what this class that he took has done is programmed into him this internal clock that he does not have conscious control over, and now he has to consciously work to break it. So Mike, I, I, I kind of drilled him on this. I was like, this is what they did in class? And I was like, is this something that was unique to the teacher or part of the program? And he said, it seemed like it was part of the program because the teacher didn't seem like he was like, oh, I'm going to do my own thing, and this is what I strongly recommend. So my question to the, our listeners, if you're taking a Manhattan LSAT class, are they asking you to do this? Are this is how do they, do they practice this in class? Do they give you a minute forty five seconds for each LR question and then tell you when you're running out of time for that question? All other
0: classes too. Is Blueprint doing this? Kaplan, TestMasters, sure. Powerscore. Yeah. If you're taking an LSAT
1: class and they're doing this, we want to know about it. You need to actually walk out of the room and not participate because <laughs> it is. I mean, aside from being, um, maybe that's a. You know, maybe you don't want to do that, but somehow you need to plug your ears because this is going to actually, I, for most people, are going to create a subconscious internal clock that you do not want. It's going to create anxiety, and it's not good, very bad. It's directly <laughs> counterproductive. It's the exact opposite of
0: my message in every one of my classes. <laughs> like I'm a big advocate of timed practice. I, in fact, more than anyone else, I'm always telling people to do time practice. But my point of telling you to do time practice is so that you can learn to ignore the clock. So for 35 minutes, you just start the timer and you just ignore it. And you don't look at the time, you don't pay attention to it. You just comfortably work your way through the questions, focusing on accuracy, get them right.
1: And then when 35 minutes is up, you know, you just see how far you made it. Well, there's also a huge, crucial difference, and that is that 35 minutes is the amount of time you have. Yeah. So you are going to have to operate within that framework. Yeah. But absolutely not within a minute 45 per second. I was telling him, and as we just talked about, some of these questions are finished in 30 seconds precisely because some are going to take you three minutes. There are people who score 180 on the test and they spent three minutes on a question because they are going to get it right and they did the others fast enough that they have the luxury to do that. And if you said to them, well, I'm sorry, you only have a minute 45 for each, including the super long ones or hard ones, (laughs) like it's just completely (laughs) irrational and not how the test is set up. And that's true for games. That's true for reading comp. No one expects you to spend... 8 minutes and 45 seconds for each game. That's absurd. You're going to spend 5 on some, 13 on others. It's just how it goes.
0: Yeah, 8 minutes and 45 seconds is terrible on some games. and Yeah, it's terrible. And it's awesome you, on other games. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: Fucking. I don't,
1: I don't understand. I just don't understand. Who, anyway. who thought of that idea and thought it would be good? I just, it's just crazy.
0: Well, so like all sorts of
1: anxiety and
0: somebody who doesn't really understand the LSAT, you know, just, yeah. I, I don't like if, if you, if, if it wasn't an actual LSAT expert who made that program, then I, I, I guess I get it. Right. It's like somebody who's just sort of good at tests or whatever. And they're like, Oh, well, clearly if you have 25 questions, you divide that by 35 minutes, then you get, you know, but I mean, it's actually 90 seconds, not, a minute 45. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I don't, they, you know, if they, (laughs) if they settled on a minute 45 in order to keep the class moving, like this is a reasonable amount of time to let the class work on this question and then we review it, that would be one thing. But in that case, like the teacher should keep it to themselves. It shouldn't be like they're trying to convince the class to race the clock.
1: No, you just say, hey, sorry, let's start talking to our neighbor. But even yeah, it yeah, seems just, kind of fast for that Well, exercise. And way too long for some questions. Yeah, way too long for some. <laughs> like,
0: you're, If you do it that way, then the top of the class is going to be like, oh, I did this question in 30 seconds. Now I have to sit here for a minute and a half, like waiting for what? Why are we doing that? And then, I don't know. That's why 35-minute sections in class make so much sense. Because... Everybody can work for 35 minutes. Yeah. And some people just get farther than others. So what?
1: Yeah. No, I'm always telling people, I'm like, hey, if you finish and you're just twiddling your thumbs, here's the homework. You could start working on it. And yeah. some people do that. And they're just like, okay. So everybody's always working. And the people who aren't done, they're not stressing out. They have the opportunity to work through it as much as they can. Sometimes they can't finish even in the extra time, but it doesn't right. matter. no. <laughs> so right, anyway, what's this I'm,
0: con target score we can show? Well, that so too. then
1: this reminded me, and I know I just added this, but I was talking to another tutoring student and he said to me, He he's made quite a bit of progress, by the way. Um and his he is he's only taken three practice test scores, but he's taken a lot of drill he's done a lot of LSAT demon drilling and uh individual sections between the tests. And so <clears throat> in some ways his practice test scores are not surprising and not necessarily too infrequent because he's doing all this work in between. Um, But in any case, he went up, I think it was nine points between his first test and his second test, and then he went up two points. And I could sense that he was a little disappointed that he had only gone up two points. And then we went into this whole discussion of like, hey, I wouldn't have been shocked if your score had dropped after your second test, so don't. Right. Like, this is good. This is good. And then we started talking about Khan Academy because he had initially been working with Khan Academy, and he still has an account there, and I don't still goes in and kind of plays around with stuff, I guess, occasionally. And he said, <clears throat> when I sat down to take this third test, I thought I might try it out in Khan Academy because it's digital. At that point, I was like, hey, you know, you can do it in LSAT Demon as well, but we'll get to that later. And and so he was about to start, start taking the test. And he said that Khan Academy told him that for this test, he had a target score that he was trying to reach. Um, And I was like, wait, what? It was telling you that there is a certain score that you should be shooting for for this test? And he said, Oof. yeah. And I said, how did they determine that? And he said, well, when I first signed up for Khan Academy, they said, what, goal, what score do you want to get officially? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so he put in that score, and then it's just a little algorithm, and it's like, okay, based on the score, you need to study three hours a day, and you need to hit these target scores once a week at these times. Right? So he was basically, I wow. didn't realize i hadn't talked to him enough apparently i didn't realize that he was going back into Khan to take a test this was his third test based on their schedule and he was disappointed in his score in part because Khan told him well you had to hit this number by now if you want to reach your 170 by whatever <laughs> this is so crazy
0: to the extent that that motivates people to study more, I guess I can see some value in it. But or or to the extent that it like subtly convinces people to be more realistic about their goals, but just asking people for a goal score in the first place to me is kind of dumb. Cuz like people are like, oh, 175. Yeah, who's going to be like, well my goal is yeah, <laughs> lower than people are like I you know, I want to get 180. Oh, okay. Well, all you have to do is study for 19 hours a day for the next, <laughs> you know, it's like,
1: you know, all you have to do is improve by five points a week and you'll get there. It's like, <laughs> yeah, we can all so do math. Stupid. We can all do simple algebra. Okay. So we, we take your current score, we subtract it from your goal score and then we say, <laughs> okay, so that requires you to improve by exactly 3.4 points per week. Yeah.
0: Because the progress is going to be linear. You're just going to get exactly three points more every single week. And then you just reach your goal. Yay. Fantastic. I don't know. I mean, everything we've ever seen about Khan is that it just seems pretty clear that it was created by people who aren't like specifically LSAT experts. They're just sort of.
1: Which is so odd because it's the official, (laughs) right? Free. I don't know. What, what, what are the real, what are, what are the real forces going on here? Right. I don't know. Does LSAC, are they incompetent? Don't care. Or maybe realize that it's, bad i guess this kind of goes with don't care but this is all just for pr right like oh yeah. people are concerned that we're not providing enough free resources to prepare for this test and this is discrimination so no, well here we go. or just yeah i mean how about just it's a marketing ploy
0: i mean it's hey look at this great uh, law school is now We could, everybody could go to law school now because we, this is awesome free Khan Academy prep thing. You can prep for free and you can read explanations that are mediocre and don't really actually explain it because, well, it's clear that the LSAC themselves, they're not LSAT experts. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. Like, you know that Kelly Testy would not score very well on the LSAT, right? Like, I just can't imagine. Or maybe she would score well, but she would not explain it
1: Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually understand it. It's kind of confusing to me because they are so good at crafting these questions in a way in which one answer truly is the best answer. Now they have the freedom to test their questions on thousands and thousands of test takers. So that helps a lot. But it's still, I'm impressed by a lot of these questions, where people are like, "This is bullshit," and you're like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, if you it's really not. understand it; it makes sense." So it's, <laughs> yeah. it's it's like I have this disconnect where I'm like, "How can you create such an awesome question, but then not be able to just distill down why this is right or wrong?" You have to know that ensemble. It's like the people who are writing their explanations maybe aren't their test writers or something. I don't yeah, know. that has to be the case. Or, or
0: yeah, or they're just not teachers. Just so teachers, yeah, they yeah. get it,
1: and it, so then when you're talking to yourself, it makes sense. That's right. true. Yeah, I could see that because you definitely have high scores who start to explain things in class, and it's just, ooh, yeah, not quite. Like I, I see that you get why that's right, but it's not clear what you're saying. Um, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But in any case, it was a little disconcerting. I think he said also that Khan seemed to except whatever target score he put in. So I think he put in the 170, and like you were just joking around, it's kind of like, okay, well, if you study this number of hours for these number of weeks, you will get to that score. And I'm always having this conversation with people. Ben, is it reasonable to go from a 162 to a 170 in the next three months? It's like, yeah, that's reasonable. But please understand that I'm not saying that that's going to happen because 170 is just hard period only three percent of people get there so you can't just say oh i have x amount of time i have a current score of 162 therefore this is going to happen i i don't think it's unreasonable it's not crazy but you just have to go and try you're gonna just have to put in the work and it's likely to happen but it's going to require work and who knows what kind of challenges you're going to run into as you dig into this test and maybe you need help I don't know. In any case, Khan Academy seems to oversimplify this process.
0: I agree. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's, it, you know, it's, it's better than nothing, I guess. But I just think there's other free resources out there <laughs> that are, that are better than that. Yeah. Um, cool. Go to, go to strategyprep.com slash free, go to com slash free, go to lsatdemon.com, sign up for a free trial there's lots of free stuff out there that, you know, I mean, that's me and Ben. So if you like what we're, if we like what we say, if it, if we seem to be making sense to you, I think you should jump ship on con and <laughs> work with us. Uh, it's self serving, but um, that doesn't mean it's not right. Yeah. Should we dive back into this uh, June 2007 uh, game number
1: three? I'm feeling like we should maybe take a break from it. I know. And then maybe one more episode to tackle it because we just did the okay. game last time. And then that will give us enough time to tackle either the personal statement and the pearls versus turds or both maybe. Okay. That's
0: fine. Yeah, cool. sounds, right. sounds good to me. Sorry, um,
1: yeah. Yeah, all right. We'll that.
0: save that for next time. Uh, and that means that you got another week if you want to submit, or you've got a couple days by the time this episode comes out, if you want to. Wait, no, you've got one day.
1: <laughs> you've got two hours. So submit your questions now.
0: Yeah. You've got one minute and 45 seconds. Do it right now. Um, okay. Uh, Pearls versus turds? Yep, let's do it. This is very similar to what we were talking about. Um, mm. So here's advice that was given to a listener uh, from LSAT Max. Apparently, it says Pearl versus Turd. I'm using LSAT Max to prep. Parentheses. I had invested in it before I heard about the demon. Exclamation points. They advise for early prep that you don't worry about timing. Just work on understanding the questions, and speed will come. Except for games. For games, they advise always timing. Ones that you don't finish in time or miss add to a pile to be reworked. Maybe not the most earth-shattering tip, but it's one I have been using, and I am, of course, curious to hear your thoughts. That's from an
1: anonymous, it looks like, listener. What do you think of that tip? Well, I guess I should start by... I think overall this is pretty good. I would... um I would start by saying exactly what I suggest to people about games. So I give people a bunch of games and I tell them to do one of two things. I tell them to do these individual games untimed or if they do time themselves, have the timer go up and don't worry about how long it takes you. So I don't mind them noting to themselves oh okay that took me 25 minutes and i got two wrong because then they might come back and do that game again later and say do it in 15 minutes and get zero wrong and i would consider that serious progress because you just cut off 10 minutes you've knocked your accuracy up to 100 percent. these are good things uh what i don't want people do doing though is setting a timer for like 10 minutes and or 8 minutes and 45 to, seconds. Or 8 minutes and 45 seconds and then trying to do the game. Because uh, even after all these years, I can tell you how fast I can do that game. Uh, I can tell you how fast uh, in general. Because sometimes it takes me 6, sometimes it takes me 8, sometimes it takes me 5. Depending on how I set it up and depending on whatever, how focused I am in that moment and what I see and what I don't see but I can't tell you that that game should be done in a certain amount of time. All I'm saying is here's a, like, how are you picking that 10 minutes? And you got to just take the time that it takes you. Cause that's what you're going to do on the test. You're either going to answer the next question or what, just decide to move on because you've run out of time. And now you're going to start a whole new adventure with a whole new game. That's probably going to be harder. That doesn't make sense either. So I am totally fine with and sometimes see value in having people have the timer going up just so they can see their progress in the future as long as they don't care about the time. It's more just information.
0: So, but now LSAT Max is saying only time yourself on games and don't time yourself on other stuff at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I I think that's a I'm not sure what they mean by that. Does, does that mean that they don't do timed tests or timed sections? Sounds well, like Well, that's what, my, yeah.
0: And so there's where this is a tie at best because yeah. I literally want you to do a timed test on the very first day of prep. Like I just, that's what I want you to do. If you have not yet done a, an LSAT, yeah. what the fuck are you doing? You're not doing the LSAT if you're not doing timed LSATs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying you need to do a time test every day. I'm saying you need to have a timed test. Just yeah. Google June, 2007 LSAT or now I guess you can also get the September, 2017 LSAT. Did they actually post or was that the right one? No. September, 2007 LSAT.
1: No, I think it's seventy-one, seventy-three. Oh, prep test 71.
0: Oh, okay. So anyways, those tests, I don't know if they, did they post those to their website the way they did with June, 2007?
1: I don't know. I'll look right okay. now.
0: Anyway, you yeah. can get, for sure, the June 2007 test. Mm-hmm. Print that shit out, put 35 minutes on a clock, ignore the clock, do a timed section. Then mm-hmm. do that same process for sections 2, 3, and 4. Then, And I don't care if you didn't finish, but just calculate your score and look at the ones you missed and start learning. That's how you learn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if LSAT Max is like, no, 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 we're not going to time, we're going to time ourselves later. I mean if their point and it does seem like their point is work on understanding and the Mm -hmm. speed will come. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. I agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But in order to get a baseline and in order to like sort of track your progress and just keep yourself honest Mm -hmm. and develop skills that are going to work when the clock is ticking, Mm -hmm. you need to be regularly doing timed practice. And so that's what we say all the fucking time is like do a timed section every day. But you, you do that in order to train yourself to ignore the clock and then you review untimed mm-hmm. as much as you need. And I agree a hundred percent work on understanding and the speed will come. The point of timing yourself is not to race the clock. Yeah. It's to desensitize yourself to the clock.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, I don't know. This is a tie maybe. Yeah. I would say it's a tie. I, I feel like the 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 spirit, if you can say that, right behind the, the yep. intention behind this message is is generally good. I'm a little confused by what they mean by timing for games. I would make it very clear that either you don't do the game timed, especially for people who are really struggling. Right, some people are really struggling at first. They're just like, I don't know what the hell is even going on here. Don't you don't need to add another layer of like, Oh, I'm going to have a timer going up. But if you time an individual game, have the timer going up. If you're timing a section, have the regular 35 minute timer going down. That's what I would say. I would clarify and, this. And advice. don't look at it. Don't look at it. That's <laughs> don't pay right.
0: attention to it and don't try to race the clock and don't try to finish the section. I don't know how many times I have to keep saying this. Like I actually get a little bit angry with my class mm. Because I feel like my message on this is pretty fucking clear.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: And yet I still have people telling me, you know, I'm just so worried that I can't finish the section. And I'm like, you're, you missed six of the questions you attempted. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Like,
0: I don't care about the four that you didn't get to at the end of the section. I care about the six that you missed during the fucking section. Stop it. You're yeah. missing the easy ones. Stop mm-hmm. it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah. people don't listen. I, it's like they want to pay me $1,000 for an LSAT class and then they don't want to listen. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. yeah. Huh? Um, ready for this personal statement?
1: Yeah, let's do it, man.
0: We got this email that says, I love you, triple exclamation point. Thank you for replying with such an amazing and thoughtful email. After reading and listening to all of the links you sent me, I began working on my personal statement. Here it is. I would love to get Nate and Ben's perspective on it. I deleted my old one after listening to their criticism of others. Please, 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 please. Praying hands emoji. Kendall. So that must have been Sarah sending an amazing and thoughtful email to this listener.
1: Yeah. Wow. started with, I love you.
0: I know when you email, uh, help at thinking dot com, that, uh, goes right to awesome producer, Sarah. And I, do you know if Annalisa sometimes looks at those too? I don't Anyway, help at thinking dot com and, um, our, do we,
1: do we know what any of our employees do?
0: <laughs> I don't really know. We just like hire smart people and l- let them do what they, what they want. <laughs> they do such an amazing job that we do not really have to keep tabs on them, but yeah, Anyway, Kendall has submitted a personal statement and please, 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 praying hands emoji wants us to beat the shit out of it because she has listened to what we do on other people's. Okay. Let's
1: do it. First. Is this for real? I know. Again, it's one paragraph.
0: uh, Well, yeah. And it, it is one paragraph and it also just, I, I wonder if it's trolling sometimes, but that email is so nice. And she says she deleted her
1: old one. Hmm. Please, 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 please. Praying hands emoji. Is this the old one? Uh, I don't know. We'll find out. So, Kendall, I can tell you this. This is not going to be the personal statement that you want to submit. Nope. Uh, We will start reading it. You start with this sentence. I get knocked down, but I rise up again. Stronger. That is all telling. You did use an I sentence. You say, I get knocked down, but it's a metaphor. You're not literally getting knocked down, I hope. I literally Um, get knocked down, but I rise up again stronger. Hey, there's a good test. If you could put literally, properly, in front (laughs) of your sentence, then it might be a good sentence. If you literally did what you're about to say, and it's you say I verb, that might be good. Now, of course, you would never use the word literally, but that's your test. It has to be a literal thing in 99% of these sentences. And here it's not. It's metaphorical. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so
0: when we say write I sentences, mostly they should probably be in the past tense.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, it should be like I did this thing,
1: not I, I, I,
0: I... am or i get That's
1: i wake up every morning
0: <laughs> i literally do wake up every morning
1: <laughs> yeah so the literally literally test does not work there but uh okay you continue despite my father's mm, mm, you're missing an apostrophe there despite yeah. my father's funeral being on my first day of 8th grade oh no, I, why are we talking just, about eighth grade?
0: <laughs> I wonder if people listen to the show. If this is again me, like, I appreciate so much, Kendall, that you're
1: asking us for help. But do, did you take our. What? We say this every time do not talk about high school, middle school, kindergarten, or eighth, elementary school, for yeah, at least. And even college. Some people start talking about college and it still feels too young. Especially if they've been out of college for a few years. Hmm. Despite my father's funeral being on my first day of eighth grade, I showed up every day with a good attitude prepared to succeed in my classes. What? Is this is trolling? This <laughs> okay. Other than the
0: content... And the punctuation, and and everything, this is fine. It's just it's it's awful. What I don't care <laughs> other than, I, every,
1: other than what was said, well, how it was said, and how it's formatted. Has
0: three mistakes. It, yeah, there's three mistakes, Ben. There's a missing apostrophe on fathers. There's a, a weird rogue double space between two of the words.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, and every day Should as one two word words, is incorrect. Yeah. And you're talking about yourself as a child and you're telling me that you were prepared to succeed without, <laughs> like, uh, here's what I
1: know about you. Your dad died. That sucks. I'm sorry. And you continued to go to school, which is required by law. I, I don't know. You're telling me you had a good attitude prepared to succeed.
0: I really, well, how? <laughs> I just have to believe you. This is the exact opposite of uh, like 100% of our advice.
1: All right. Let's continue. Despite the multiple lawsuits due to revelations surrounding my father's double space, perplexing death. Also can-
0: missing apostrophe. <laughs>
1: yeah. Wait, wait, what just happened? We had multiple lawsuits due to revelations surrounding my father's perplexing death. I continue to walk through life with an admiration of all things pertaining to the law. Um, I'm sorry that we're coming down so hard on this personal statement. Part of it comes from skepticism, I think, at least on my part, that this is true. But if it is true, I'm sorry that your father died in an unexpected way, in a perplexing way. That sucks. That really sucks, but this it super sucks. Want, yeah, this is not what you want to write about, unfortunately. This, this would be an instant. If
0: I was making the decision, this is an instant. Sorry, we wouldn't I, continue reading. Yeah. I would not read the rest of it, and you would not be coming to my law school. Uh, not, I'm. Not, I'm sorry. It's just like it's an inappropriate topic. You're not putting your best foot forward. You're not telling me anything about yourself other than your dad died. And then some weird lawsuits that like, what? I don't want to know about that. That's not, that's like airing dirty laundry. Kind of like, it's just a weird, what does that have to do with you as a candidate for my law school?
1: Yeah. Look, if your father's death led to you doing some work now in law school, or I mean, sorry, in college or after college, it might make just sense. talk about that stuff. I it, don't need to know about the precipitating event. You, you don't need to, but I could see it being mentioned in a sentence, but not in this way. Well, it's even, she starts with despite there too. Again. Yeah. Oh, we got three so, despites. We got despite, Oh, despite, that's despite. two
0: sentences in a row. Oh, three sentences <laughs> in a row, starting with the word despite. That's amazing. But the, the second sentence, it doesn't even make sense because it's despite lawsuits... Due to revelations surrounding my father's per- perplexing death, and the listener now or the reader is like scratching their head, just going, like, <laughs> "Holy fuck! Like I'm perplexed too. Like what happened? Oh my god! Did your father get killed? Like yeah.
1: What? But we don't know. But
0: despite these lawsuits, yeah, you continue to walk through life with an admiration of all things pertaining to the law.
1: <laughs> did Sarah, did Sarah read this? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is this the one, is this the joke email that we're supposed to get? I'm sorry, Kendall, uh, this is not good. You cannot apply to law school with this. Um, I guess I'll just continue reading for more example sentences that we could show people. I'll try to changes. shut
0: up. Let's. You can go ahead and read it. I'll, I'll try to shut up. I don't know if I can succeed, but I'll well,
1: start. some of these sentences can be good, bad examples, right? Like don't do this. Despite being in fear of my family's fiscal security, I carry myself through personal financial obligations. Again, What the all fuck telling. does that even mean? I don't know. You pay your bills? I carry myself through
0: personal financial <laughs> obligations.
1: <laughs> I'm imagining like a financial contract, and you're like carrying yourself through it. You're physically going through the paper. I don't know. Obviously, it's a metaphor, but... <laughs> After being in an esoteric accident? Esoteric. Now I'm questioning my understanding of that word. I think that means I'm not. Like
0: <laughs> I know what that fucking word means, and it doesn't mean what she thinks it means. Okay. Oh, wait. What does it mean to you?
1: I take it as like random. Like yeah. Di- differing. Or well,
0: something. right. Like sort of... I <laughs> i guess it, i mean bizarre unexpected um
1: oh wait hold on esoteric Yes, yeah. unique it's intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest
0: <laughs> right yeah yeah so this was an this was an an esoteric accident like only hmm, let me think <laughs> only, only some people could understand
1: <laughs> this kind of
0: accident yeah so
1: huh. <laughs> I'll try this to is where like you a... pulled out the, thes- the thesaurus i can't say the yep. word so i can't really get you on that one you can get me on that one but this is what happens when you try to sound smart Try to use big words, yeah. Yep. After being in an esoteric accident at 17, I'm assuming that's your age as opposed to the street, I pulled myself together and graduate. I pulled myself together. That's not good phrasing to use after talking about an accident. I pulled myself together and graduated <laughs> on time with my class. Ellipses. Dot, dot, dot. Despite... Well, that's despite number four. Despite the many setbacks that came from brain and bodily injury, then being put into a medically induced coma for a number of days. Holy cow. Kendall, it sounds like you've gone through a lot of shit, but you can't talk about this. No, it's not
0: appropriate. It's oversharing. It's not professional. It's not putting your best foot forward. It makes you sound like an unfortunate case that is not going to be an asset to the law school community because you're not, you're just not, it's, it's unprofessional. This is not what they want.
1: No. My life has been a series of unbelievable challenges. However, every setback I have been through has somehow resulted in beneficial character development. More telling. It's only telling. I mean, so here's what, here's what we know so far. Her father Your dad died. died
0: and you got in it and you got in it some terrible accident.
1: And you've paid some bills. <laughs> Maybe. Well,
0: and you, you keep saying I mean I mean what that actually sounds like to me is that you just got in a lot of debt. Yeah. And and so you've had a really rough go of it. But that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to pity you. They Ben, you said this in our workshop the other day they want to know that you're going to kick ass in law school, kick ass as a lawyer and donate a lot of money back to the school. Yeah. This is not sounding like that. This is you telling me over and over how you've had these unbelievable challenges and how you've had all this beneficial character development, but you have not told me literally anything that that character development has helped you to achieve mm-hmm. other than, enduring a bunch of shit which is like yeah that sucks i'm sorry it sounds horrible yeah but i'm here to learn about you being you know
1: like how show me what you're going to bring to the school what are you going to do when you get here this doesn't show that you're going to come and succeed in class i know you're saying that you've overcome challenges but that doesn't mean that you can sit down in a classroom understand old archaic cases case law and then translate them correctly, do well, go get a job in the summer. It Unfortunately, it's not related. In fact, so she continues, um, in fact, I think it has only shown how annoyingly persistent I am when it comes to achieving my goals. You think it has only shown that. My parents would tease me when I was young, semicolon, Implying that my one-tracked mind and ambition was somehow a bad thing. Uh, That semicolon is not correct. Not correct. As I have grown independently, I don't know how else to grow. I have learned to admire my idiosyncratic way of thinking. Another big word. As well as my ability to recognize when it's time to fight. By what? Insif- I do not want <laughs> idiosyncratic thinkers.
0: <laughs> Lawyers are like cogs in the machine. Yeah. You have to learn how to play by the fucking rules if you're going to be a lawyer. Idiosyncratic thought
1: is going to lose cases. Sorry. <laughs> no it's it's good um insightful perspective derived from my internship with an incredibly talented criminal defense attorney attorney okay, hold on, we just read one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen word subject okay. insightful perspective derived from my internship with an incredibly talented criminal defense attorney what verb drum roll, please has reassured (laughs) all that to get to a form of the verb to be yeah okay (laughs) has reassured okay so we're in the passive here my 13 year old self what is this can't be real what is going on i don't know my 13 year old self that pursuing law is indeed still my dream what What's going on here? This is, this is a 13-year-old? She got in an accident when she was seven. So
0: far, she's been in eighth grade, she's been <laughs> 17, and now this, she's 13. This
1: has got to be a joke. This is not real.
0: We did ask Sarah to put one in here as a joke, and I feel like we might have found that
1: one. <laughs> this, this it, it's, is, it's, I'm sorry, Kendall, if it is real. That's horrible, but I just don't understand how this all comes together. So this is like, let's try to break every rule. Oh, we got the spite again. Okay, so... This is despite number five, I think. Yeah, it has to be a joke. Despite not all of them being tangible, not all of what being tangible, I carry many things along with me through life. A degree from... Things. things.
0: Despite many things not being tangible, I carry them along with (laughs) me
1: through life. Yeah, you put the pronoun before the... (laughs) Wait, what'd you do? Yeah, you put the pronoun before the noun. Oh, here are the things. Uh, Despite not all of... Oh, oops, I already read that. So, colon, what are the things that you've carried through life? A degree from XXX.
0: That's just, you know, redacted. Redacted redacted for security. A degree from whatever school, which you don't need to mention because they have your transcripts. Like, they know what school you went to. An attitude
1: so positive it leaves one with inquisition. What? (laughs) What is going on? (laughs) <laughs> Lots of life experience, Lots insight life from many experience. travels, including my last semester spent spent abroad in Australia. Which, by the way, you need a comma before all your witches. Which evolved. Holy cow! Evolved has become a uh, a causal verb. Which evolved my outlook on life even more. Now your outlook what? evolved. <laughs> it's not a verb. <laughs> something can't evolve something else a uh, strong will and a unique per- oh no they said unique this is gosh dang it sarah why did you put this in here <laughs> it's too long it is kind of short i guess but um a unique perspective on things i've de- i've deduced okay this is a- obviously a joke i've deduced that these attributes will help to make me a good lawyer and if i'm mistaken my one track mind will find a way to make it work if i'm mistaken if i'm not mistaken all right. Or she's saying if she
0: is mistaken, then she'll still work it out anyway. uh, Or she meant to say if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but either way, <laughs> it sucks. So it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> doesn't get rid of it. Get, honestly, get rid of this entire thing. It's what just, is this? this? Is this is for real? What's I your vote? Is it real? Yeah, I think it's real. And Kendall, I'm sorry. You, I, I okay. Huh. I I think it's real. I mean I don't know
1: it could just what someone wrote it as a joke? Kendall wrote it as a joke I, I feel like I feel like every sentence in here is violating something we've talked about yeah if i if I tried
0: to violate all of the rules, like if I tried to write, it would be very hard the something worse than this, it would be very difficult yeah, yeah. like th- this is literally there's not one thing in here that I would keep
1: no. There's not even like a storyline that we could build off of or a sentence. This is
0: a bunch of bad things that happened to Kendall. And then a whole bunch of conclusions about how great she is or how strong she is without any evidence whatsoever. I've learned nothing about her. I mean, a semester
1: abroad. Oh, Oh oh yeah, there was a semester abroad in Australia. What'd you do there? <laughs> yeah, maybe you could talk about something you did there. Who knows? It really depends on what you did. A semester abroad is a way that that like people
0: waste money in college. You know, a semester abroad yeah. is like that's when people go party somewhere. And Isn't yeah, they get some life experience, but that's that's not that's not like an achievement. That's you it had money or you were able there. to borrow money. Yeah in order to go, you went, that's a vacation is what that is. Yeah. And it's on your transcript anyway, probably. So I'm yeah, i confused
1: and lost, honestly.
0: Kendall, you need to start over with a story. Are you work? If you're working now, you need to talk about your job. If you're still in college, you need to talk about something that you have done very recently that you, where you have achieved a thing You absolutely need to not write about your dad dying and the medically induced coma. Those might be appropriate for a diversity statement, but this just is like 25 red flags all at once. This is like anybody in their right mind is going to read this and go, I feel really sorry for you and best of luck to you. Yeah. I don't want to feel sorry for the person who has kind of come to my law school for three years. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a fucking killer who I'm going to be in awe of how much they are capable of achieving. Yep. Not not somebody who looks like they're going to just be... <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know you Kendall. Like I've never met you, but when I read this, it's just like, wow, this looks like someone who's going to be a disaster walking around on my campus. Yeah. Like a bunch of oversharing and just kind of unprofessional, like not, (laughs) you're, you're not building a case for yourself here at all. Other than like pity me. Um, okay. Well, (laughs) Jesus Christ. We we love it when you write into to us. Um, you can email the show, help at com if you would like us to uh, brutally murder your personal statement on the show. We uh, will be happy to do that. Um, but, you know, you, you got to start listening to our advice
1: w- with these personal statements. I, yeah, well, <laughs> I feel like we've issued this challenge before. If you feel like you're good at writing personal statements, write a good one follow the device as best as you can. And let's get the best personal statement on the show that we can get. Those are the most instructive, I think.
0: Well, the, the really, really misguided ones are also instructive too. Mm -hmm. And, and they're funny kind of, you know, to just be like, holy shit. Oh my God. Can you imagine submitting this to a law school? Yeah. But when, if we take Kendall at her word here saying, that she had, you know, that Sarah sent her some amazing thoughtful email and then she read and listened to all of the links and then began working on a new version of the personal statement. And this is it. That's, it's just, that's really, I don't, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I don't get it.
1: I don't know. We, we're we not explaining ourselves very well or something to at least some people. Um, should
0: we wrap it up there, Ben? We should check out our, uh, thinking lsat podcast group on facebook we're up to almost 1400 members while you're there give the thinking lsat facebook page a like Um, we are at thinking lsat on instagram on uh, twitter i am at n fox the show is at thinking lsat ben is at olson benjamin You can visit strategyprep.com and foxlsat.com to learn about all of our services, including live classes in D.C., L.A., San Francisco, and all sorts of online and one-on-one options. Definitely go to lsatdemon.com. While you're there, hit the Ask button on anything that doesn't make sense to you, and uh, we will be happy to expand and even fix our explanations I think that's it. That was show number 194. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school.